Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm Mitch Album, your host. Lisa Goich, my friend and producer, is alongside. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Mitch. You've been a busy, busy guy with this new book coming out, Stranger yes. on the Lifeboat. As a matter of fact, today is the official publication day, and it is a Woo-hoo! Tuesday. Yeah, it is a Tuesday. Uh, books tend to come out on Tuesdays. Tuesdays with Maury came yep. out on Tuesdays. So we Tuesday people, uh, give, it has a whole new meaning today uh, because yeah. the, the new book, The Stranger in the Lifeboat, uh, is officially on the shelves now and in bookstores and virtual bookstores and online and the Barnes and Nobles and the Amazons and all the rest of those places. And now I'm scurrying around like a very busy man uh, to try to talk about it and share it with people and let people know it's there. You know, every time a book comes out, it's a um, it's a little bit, for me, I guess, as close as I might come to giving birth. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, although science is amazing, but I'm pretty sure that that's never going to happen <laughs> uh, physically, but mentally and emotionally, the the planning, the year-long sort of building, taking it from nothing to something to mm-hmm. this kind of living thing that's, you know, uh, its own entity, to releasing it into mm-hmm. the world and where it's no longer inside your head, inside your thought yes. process, it's out there in the world, is is the literary equivalent of giving birth. I don't want to diminish the, the most wonderful act, you know, of, of humankind. Uh, but then, then comes the same thing that happens when you have a baby. You start to worry yeah. about everything. Yes. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it breathing uh-huh. all right? Is it sleeping okay? Is it, is, 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 you know, does, does, does she look all right to you? Does she look a little, <laughs> you know, you're constantly asking people, does, is, she, is she burping a little too much? Is he, is he rubbing his eye a little bit too much? And it's the same thing when a, a book comes out, you're like, you know, is it, is it, did, did you like that page? Was that okay? Do you think it read all right? Do you think people like it? Uh, I, somebody yeah. asked me that, that if, you know, are you, do you still get nervous? I've been blessed to have some success in the, in the book writing business. And, you know, some people say, well, do you still get nervous when a book comes out or worried? You know, you've, you've had some success in it. And I, I say, look, uh, I started out, I started out in the music business and I was a failure in that. And that stayed with me for a long time. And then when I got into the writing business, and eventually I wrote my first book was not Tuesdays with Maury in terms of a Mm -hmm. book book. My first actual book was a collection of my columns that I had written Mm -hmm. for the newspaper, the Detroit Free Press. And obviously that's a lot smaller stage. And when that book came out, that was the first time I ever had anything that was bound. And the book came out and they sent me around to a bunch of bookstores and... In those days, and we're talking about the mid-90s, you would go to a bookstore, a little bookstore, 
And they would yeah. like, they would kind of book you for three hours. Like I say, yeah. when you just come and you just be here like all afternoon. And mm-hmm. people did it. <laughs> so I remember going to this one little bookstore on like a Thursday afternoon and nobody was there. Oh, Who geez. would be there on a Thursday afternoon? And I <laughs> right. sat at a table in the back. You know, it wasn't like I was out front or anything or they had a sign. Right. I was just sitting at a table in the back because I guess the bookstore figured, hey, if we sell one extra book because this guy's here, it doesn't cost us anything. Yeah. It's good. All right. Let him sit here. <laughs> yeah. Let him sit here. You know, it takes up some space. Did they give you coffee or anything? Um, like, <laughs> eh, I can't remember. They might have. So I'm snacks? sitting there. I, no, definitely no snacks. So I'm, I'm sitting there with this stack of books in front of me at the table and this woman comes into the store and she starts wandering and she starts moving her way towards me. And I still can remember the feeling of, okay, here comes somebody. Maybe this person's oh, going to buy my book. Oh, and no. she's getting closer to the table. And, and you know, I'm sm- I smile, make eye contact. She smiles at me. She comes over and she looks down at my book. She picks it up and sees that, you know, there's a picture of me and, and, you get and, so and in excited. front of her. And yeah, you're like, you know, I'm going to sell a book. And then she puts the book down and she says, you know where the cookbooks are? Yeah. <laughs> and to this day, I can still see that moment and feel that moment, oh, feel the dropping of my heart into my yes. stomach. Uh, oh, and bitch. and to make matters worse, I didn't know where the cookbooks were, so I was of no help to yeah. her, you know? <laughs> you couldn't even ask, answer that yeah. question. Uh, and, and I still, oh. to this day, despite all the copies of all the books that I've sold that I've been blessed to sell and all of you who are listening have been kind enough to get, I still, when a book comes out, I'm still that that guy sitting in that store Wondering if that woman who's coming in is going to actually buy my yeah. book and then having her say, if, where are the cookbooks? Right. <laughs> right. If anybody's going to show. Well, I can attest. I've been to your book signings. There are lines out the door. Like, I don't think I've ever been to one of your book signings that had fewer than 500 people in line. Like, they seem to be... Um, it's amazing how many know. people want to know where the cookbooks are. It's They're so lost. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm but really see, just giving yeah. directions. I'm saying, what are you looking for? Biography that's over there, second <laughs> row. Art books are over on the right. No, I, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I've, I've been very blessed, but I still, inside, you always, you, you're, at least me, I think there are other people too, your failures lead your parade, not your successes. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. you know, you, you, you have to resist the habit of following that, you know, baton leader taking you down that alley yeah. of worry and nobody's going to buy it. Nobody's going to be interested in it. And they're going to ask where the cookbooks are and all that. Uh, so it's always a nerve wracking thing. And I'm, I'm uh, actually in New York um, promoting the book on some different TV programs and things like that, hoping that, you know, uh, I can get the message across because I think the message of this book is important. And um, I wanted to share it. I wanted to share it with everybody today. This is part two of uh, who's the stranger in your lifeboat uh, to Mm -hmm. try to make it more pertinent to our listeners and their lives. And, um, for those of you who, who missed last week's podcast, I'll give you the 30-second summation of what the book's plot is. There's this very rich man, uh, one of the richest men in the world. He's got this big luxury yacht. He invites all these really important people from around the world uh, to come and attend a big week-long soiree on it. 
And the last night of the soiree, the boat explodes and everyone is killed. And there are no survivors and uh, they don't find anybody, can't barely find pieces of wreckage, everything. It's just gone. And a year later, a life raft from the boat washes up on the shore of a Caribbean island across the Atlantic Ocean, which means it, it took a year for this lifeboat, life raft to float all the way across. Mm -hmm. And a police inspector is tipped off to it by a drifter who's walking on the beach and notices it. And he gets there first and he sees this empty life raft and he sees on the side it's written that this is from the yacht that exploded. Mm -hmm. And then he feels around and he feels a lump in one of the pouches and he opens the pouch and he takes out a notebook. And he starts to read this notebook and inside the notebook is an attestation that actually there were 10 people who survived the crash, uh, the explosion. Nobody knew it. And these 10 people managed to get to a life raft and this guy was writing everything down in case, you know, something like this should happen. And what he writes and what he accounts is that on the third day, they're out there. There's nobody coming for them. There's no rescue. There's no helicopters. There's no planes. There's no boats. They're just in the middle of the ocean in this raft. There's 10 of them. There's dwindling food and water. And they realize they, they're likely done for. They're going to die in the yeah. middle of the water. And they're crying out for help. And they're desperate. And suddenly they see a body floating in the water. And they pull the raft over to it, figuring it's another victim from the boat. And the person's alive, and they pull him in. It's a it's a young man. He's non pretty nondescript, kind of average looking, kind of looks like a surfer guy. And uh, they pepper him with questions, and no response, no response. And finally, one of the women on the boat says, "Well, thank the Lord, we found you." And he says, "I am the Lord." And this is what the stranger in the lifeboat begins. That's what I guess you would call the cold open, so to speak, if you're talking about uh -huh. <laughs> TV versions of things. And of course, the people on the boat are, think he's just nuts. And they say, okay, you're the Lord. What are you doing here? And he says, well, weren't you calling me? You've been calling, calling out, help, help, help. So here I am. And they say, well, so here you're here to save us. And he says, well, I can only save you if everyone in the boat believes I am who I say I am at the same mm -hmm. time. And as you go through the notebook and as the inspector is, is keeping this notebook to himself, a secret, uh, while all of a sudden, you know, people have discovered there's this life raft and the media starts coming down and reporters and everybody wants to know, you know, does this mean that some people survive? But only he has the notebook and he's not sharing with anybody. Yeah. And he reads as the days go on, as some people choose to believe that this guy is who he says he is. Others are convinced that he's not because he doesn't look the part, he doesn't act the right. part, he asks for food, he asks for water, he falls asleep, you know, he's not particularly striking, he doesn't have any robes or a white beard or anything, he's, and mm -hmm. he could just as easily be a lunatic who bumped his head and thinks that he's God. Yeah. So it's a book about, first and foremost, when we cry out for help, are we ready to accept it if it's not exactly what we want? And we talked about this a little right. bit last week. Yeah, that's what, where yeah. you know we tend to say, uh, "Help me, help me, please, universe, help me, please, God, help yeah. me, please," and we expect it to be like a a diner order. Like right, I'll like have the instant. sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I'll have the, the sandwich, no bacon on that, and then like two minutes yeah. later, they bring it over. And when yeah. it doesn't come exactly when you know when the sandwich doesn't come on time, we start to get antsy. You know why? Why are you forsaking me? You know yeah. where's my sandwich? 
And the truth is, as we talked about last week, help comes at all different times in our lives, in all mm-hmm. different forms. It may not be the exact answer to your yeah. situation. You may get fired from a job and say, you know, uh, please, please, you know, uh, uh, don't let me be fired. Don't let me be fired. You know, please, God, don't let me be fired. And then you get fired. And you say, well, you, see, God let me down. The universe let me down. You know, mm-hmm. I, I asked for help. And mm-hmm. what do I get? I got fired. And only 10 years later, when you look back and you see, well, yeah, well, after I got fired, I actually started to pursue, pursue something that I really loved. And I got started in that. And now that's where I am. And I'm doing a job that I yeah. absolutely love. And I never would have done it if I hadn't gotten fired. Yeah. So in its own weird way, the firing was the answer to my prayers because I wasn't happy there, but I didn't want to lose mm-hmm. the job. Well, yep. but you didn't know that at the time, but now you know it. So now do you go back and apologize to God or the universe or whatever? I'm sorry. I didn't realize I didn't realize you were making me a really right. special sandwich in the kitchen yeah. there. And that's why it took this long. Because the sandwich is great. It's the best sandwich I've ever best had. Best sandwich ever, right. Right. So, you know, that's the core principle. But there are many other lessons within the course of the book. And today I want to share... Um, one more with you uh, as sort of the second part of this two-part thing, because this is an important thing, too. I wrote this book after I wrote Finding Chica. Um, and I've talked about Chica on, on this program, our little girl from Haiti. Uh, most of you know that I operate an orphanage in Haiti, and we have 53 children there. They're all beautiful and loving and extraordinarily special, and they make up the, the, the innermost sanctum of my heart. Uh, but one uh, of those little girls was mm-hmm. um, uh, afflicted with a brain tumor when she was five years old, and we brought her to America, and she became our daughter. When I say our daughter, my, my wife and I. And we traveled around the world with her for two years, even though they told us she'd be mm-hmm. dead in four months. And we got to be a family. And, of course, um, unfortunately, this brain tumor was bigger than the forces that we had here or medicine, and mm. eventually she succumbed to it and died when she was seven. And I wrote this book after I wrote that book. And I, I like to say that Finding Chica was sort of my uh, hurting book, you mm-hmm. know, that I wrote when I was hurting over the death of Chica. Yeah. And The Stranger in the Lifeboat is kind of my healing book after four years' time to be able to sort of see it in that kind of perspective and to see, just as I just said a couple minutes ago, that in its own way, having Chica with us, even though it was heartbreaking the way it ended, uh, it was such a blessing to have this family, myself, yeah. my wife, and our little girl, you know, and, and for her to have a de facto mother and father, not that we replaced the biological parents, but she she never really knew, she didn't know her father he was never in the picture and her mother died and um it was an amazing blessing and as i said at the end of finding chica we didn't lose a child we were given one we didn't lose a child we were given one and this book was uh my chance to sort of write about what you realize after enough time passes and somebody dies that you don't realize Mm -hmm. when they die You've gone mm-hmm. through this, I'm sure, with your dad, uh, who died not too long ago. And yeah. I'm betting, and you and I haven't even spoken about this before this podcast, but I'm betting that your perspective on his passing, just like the perspective on your mom's passing, which you got to write a beautiful book about, um, changed from the moment 
you were in your grief and you know when you realize she's gone and you just do nothing but yeah. sob to where you are now where you yeah. see it in a larger context am i right yeah definitely i mean and that gets better or more clear i should say every day you know I mean, sure, there's still moments where I miss him like crazy, which I imagine there are still moments you have where you're still, you know, completely heartbroken over Chica, you know, and right. um, um, so but I think that you you just get a clarity and, uh, you know, my, I was blessed to have him here for 99 years right. of his life, not mine. Right. <laughs> I'm not quite 99 yet. <laughs> yeah. I feel something. 99 you most sound days, great. but I'm not 99. For 99, you sound <laughs> but, great. Uh, yeah, we get a perspective, I think. Exactly. We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this message. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So I want to share with you um, two brief passages from The Stranger in the Lifeboat, which is out there now. And you'll see how this ties together, not only with this lesson, but with something that Maury shared with me during his final weeks of his life. So this is from the notebook that the police inspector is reading, and Benji is the guy who's writing in the notebook. He's a, a deckhand on the boat. And he's writing, this is about three days after the man who claims to be the Lord, has gotten on the boat. Mm -hmm. It is just afternoon now, our fourth day in this lifeboat. We have witnessed something highly unusual. It concerns the new arrival who claims to be the Lord. Perhaps I was wrong. There may be more to him than meets the eye. Earlier this evening, Giannis was leaning on the raft's edge, singing a Greek song. He's from Greece, an ambassador, I believe, although he's quite young. Jerry was doing her navigation charts... Mrs. Lahari was rubbing her temples, trying to relieve her constant headaches. Alice, the little girl, was sitting with her arms wrapped around her knees. She was staring at the new man, as she has done much of the time since his arrival. 
Suddenly, he rose and moved across the raft to Jean-Philippe, who was praying over his wife, Bernadette. Both are Haitian, good people, upbeat. I met them the first morning in Cape Verde when the crew boarded the galaxy to await the guests. She had been badly injured, escaping the yacht Friday night when it exploded. Jean-Philippe said she fell on the deck when the ship listed and a large table crashed into her head and shoulders. She's been slipping in and out of consciousness for the last 24 hours. Were we at home, she'd be in a hospital for sure. But out here, adrift, you realize how often we take our placement on this earth for granted. The new man leaned over Bernadette. Jean-Philippe watched, his eyes widening. Are you truly the Lord? he asked. Do you believe I am? the man asked. Prove it, Jean-Philippe said. Let me speak to my wife again. I glanced at Giannis, who raised his eyebrows. How quickly we trust someone when the life of a loved one is threatened. All we really knew of this stranger was his wild claim and that he'd wolfed down a package of peanut butter crackers when we gave it to him. (laughs) Then I saw little Alice take Jean-Philippe's hand. The new man turned toward Bernadette and put his palms on her shoulder and forehead. Just like that, her eyes opened. Bernadette, Jean-Philippe whispered. Cherie, she whispered back. You did it, Jean-Philippe said to the Lord, his voice reverential. You brought her back. Thank you, Bonjay. Bernadette, my love. I have never witnessed anything like that. One moment she was unconscious, the next she was awake and talking. The others began to stir and take notice. Jerry poured Bernadette some water. Nina hugged her tightly. Even rigid old Mrs. Ligari seemed pleased, although she mumbled, someone must explain how this happened. Eventually, we gave Bernadette and Jean-Philippe their privacy and moved to the back of the raft. The stranger followed us. I studied his face. This was a miracle he was taking it in stride. What did you do to her, I asked. Jean-Philippe wished to speak to her again. Now he can. But she was nearly dead, I said. The distance between death and life is not as great as you imagine, he said. Really? Giannis turned his way. Then why don't people come back to earth after they die? The stranger smiled. Why would they want to? Mm. Now, I want you to Mm. think about that for a moment. That sentence, the distance between death and life is not as great as you imagine, is actually I'm something... I'm writing that down, by the way. I just yeah. wrote it down. I want, I'm going to put that someplace. <laughs> uh, it's actually That's... something that Maury said to me. I actually recycled some of Maury's yeah. philosophy there. Because when Maury was dying, um, at first, he did not believe in much. He didn't believe in God. He wasn't very religious, anything like that. And as he got closer to the end, he began to s- tell me that he would have, was having these dreams, and he was dreaming of a bridge, a bridge mm-hmm. between sort of here and there. Yeah. And that he said, I'm having conversations now in my dreams with, with God or something, and I'm negotiating whether I get to be one of the angels. That was the way he, he phrased it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he said, maybe the distance between death and life is not that great. We think, oh, this just this just abyss. You know, yeah, it's, this, right. is, this is everything and that's nothing. Or if it's something, it's so different than this. Yeah. How do we know? 
How do we know? Maybe it's just a slip in time, and, and then we have this similar consciousness, but we're someplace else. We don't know, right? Right, or we just a know. continuation. Like, it's it could just be attenuation, but we step over this, like, threshold right. into something different. Something different, but still with the the memories and the um, feelings and the love, minus all the pain yeah. that we had here on Earth. Is it possible? Doesn't that sound glorious? Of yeah, of yeah. course it's possible. Now, ah, you said the right ah. word there. Doesn't that sound glorious? What there's philosophers have posed the question: What is heaven for? What is heaven mm-hmm. for? And because we don't, nobody can prove what heaven is. Nobody can prove what happens after we die. That's all we can really ask. We can't mm-hmm. say, does heaven work? We can't say, is, right. is heaven all it's cracked up to be? We can't do an analysis of it because <laughs> we don't know. That's the name know. of your next book. Yeah. Is heaven all it's, <laughs> is cracked, heaven up? All it's cracked up to be? Right. Like By after Mitchell. I wrote The Five People You Meet in Heaven, and then someone said, is that really how it works? And I said, you know, it's a novel, right? <laughs> I mean, I didn't, yeah, it's, right. I didn't do research. Um, yeah. But what is heaven for? It is for the comfort of that sentence that I just read you. Why don't people just come back to earth then when they die? Why would they want mm-hmm. to? Why would they if, want to? If mm-hmm. we believe that what comes next is better, is a pa- more mm-hmm. painless form of our existence mm-hmm. here, is an evolution, is where we belong next, and, and, mm-hmm. and is more glorious, to use your word, why would we want to? Why would we want to come back? And the belief in that gives us comfort. We can't prove it. We're never going to yeah. be able to prove it. A million podcasts will not prove it. But no. I can prove that the belief, if those who truly believe that there is something after this world and that it's good, yeah, draw great comfort from that when somebody dies. And I have had to do that with Maury. Mm-hmm. With my mother, with my father, Your with father. our little girl Chica, yeah, with many, many, you know, loved relatives and and friends, I have had to say to myself, okay, but where they are, they're happy. Mm-hmm. And you know what I I think, and you know this because you talk to so many people with, you know, at your book signings and elsewhere. There are so many stories that prove this to be true. Mm. Though we will never know exactly what happens, so many people tell the same exact story. You know, it's almost like when a crime has been committed and all the witnesses all are saying the same exact thing and so they know that this guy's really must be the guy and he's guilty. It's the same thing with this heaven or thing that happens afterwards. Everybody has the same experience. Anybody who goes to any near-death thing has the same feeling of peace and love and clarity and joy and they don't want to come back they don't want to come back right it's all beautiful my mom had it Mm -hmm. um i'd like to say to some extent my dad had it though i wasn't with him in those last moments but nurses have told me these stories there are books out there of like hospice nurses have written uh everybody goes through the same thing so even if it's just that moment of transfer over to the other side that brings you this feeling of euphoria or joy, then maybe that's it. But if it continues, wow, then that's really something. Right. But 
If it continues, is a different question than what purpose does it serve now? And Mm -hmm. this is one of the things in The Stranger in the Lifeboat, that belief that there is good in the universe, belief that we are not here by accident, belief that Mm -hmm. when we do die, something good can happen, that serves a purpose here on Earth. It makes the pain that we endure... It makes the suffering that we endure, it makes the departure that we have to endure from our loved ones tolerable. It makes it handleable. It makes it that it doesn't crush us. So Mm -hmm. belief is more than just something that people feel, that some people feel and others don't. At its truest core, a belief, and again, I'm not telling people to believe in any particular religion or any particular God or any particular, but belief in something that there's a higher purpose to 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 us being here and a higher and a, and a higher purpose after we're done, makes this life much more bearable, and that is yeah. the purpose. Mm-hmm. I heard somebody once say to me that they felt that God was a little piece of something inside of every human being that aspired to be good and aspired to be better. And it was a unifying thing because we all felt that emotion. Same way that animals sort of share an instinct, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, 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 something tells them that there's danger and, and every, yeah. every animal in that breed has it. Mm-hmm. The human, human beings have this little light inside of them. And that might be God. Maybe that's what God yeah. is. God isn't this big force up in the universe that's, uh, you know, huge and looking down. It, it's, it's this feeling that we all share of positivity, of hope, you know, of hope. Animals don't have hope. You know, an elephant doesn't, doesn't wake up in the morning saying, you know, I think it's going to get better today. It's just going to get better today. Things are going to be better. We're going to find a big watering hole today. There's, that, that concept doesn't exist in, in any creatures. They, uh, although maybe dogs do hope that you come home and feed them, but I don't think it's oh, quite, yeah. I think it's more <laughs> instincts, you know, it's, 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 uh, okay, person walks in, door opens, this means I get food, good, you know. They're not mm-hmm. sitting around thinking, I hope she comes home, I hope she comes home. But we do sit around thinking, I hope, I hope the world is better, I hope that there's something on the other side. And that's at the core of both the concept of God, the concept of heaven, the concept of the universe, of, of destiny and of fate. And it's what is at play in that little scene that I read you, mm-hmm. why would they want to, is a comforting thought when we lose people. And since so many people who listen yeah. to our podcast have lost people or have gone through it, it's something you know that Tuesdays with Maury touches on. I just wanted to share that with you as a little glimpse of, you know, how I have sort of been healing myself from the most recent, you know, loss it's beautiful in our lives. And quite helpful, you know? Well, I hope so. I hope so. I hope uh, I can't wait to read this whole book. Some, I can't yeah. wait. I'm 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 looking well, forward you, to it. As a benefit of being the co host <laughs> of the Tuesdays with Maury <laughs> and the Tuesday People podcast, you actually get a free book. Oh, yay. <laughs> I'll happily pay for it, though. I always like to support. <laughs> yeah, you'll I pay like for it. Over, over the, my uh... dead body, you'll pay for it. <laughs> uh, those of you who uh, are interested in getting the book, it is out there now. Uh, you can order it anywhere. And there are a number of places that I am going uh, in a limited tour. COVID, obviously, has limited things. But mm-hmm. I am going some places. And if you check it out on MitchAlbum.com, I may be, as the monkey said, coming to your town. 
Uh, yes. You know, depending on where it is. Am I coming to and your people, town? I'm telling you, on our group page, I just read last night, there's some woman that is going, I believe, from B- Buffalo to Toledo. I think she's driving. If wow. she's listening right now, um, she can she can uh, make a flag on our group page. Well, but I'll tell you what, if you're listening like, now, that's a far distance. make sure that's when a- I'm in Toledo, you come up and identify yourself as woman from yes. Buffalo because you're going to get a special, special attention, special book for you because that's incredible. Could give her a picture, a hug, yeah. Yeah. A, a, a post-pandemic. Give her my shoes. <laughs> yeah, whatever you want. <laughs> get, that's yeah. a long drive. Give her a drive, car to go back like, home. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, everybody. And I, I hope you get a chance to read The Stranger in the Lifeboat. I'm really proud of how it came out, and there's a lot of healing in it. Um, and a really, I, I think, a, an exciting story. If you like Lost at Sea adventures, it's it's pretty yes. cool. I enjoyed that. So check that out. We will be back again uh, very shortly before you can blink. It'll be another Tuesday. And if you like what you heard here, we always appreciate if you leave us a comment uh, or a rating or anything like that. We, we're very grateful for that. And you can check us out on the web at wetuesdaypeople.com, and there'll be links to The Stranger in the Lifeboat uh, there as well. And you can find out my appearance schedule and more at mitchalbum.com and look for some Instagram and Facebook Live things that I'll be doing over the course of the next few weeks. Until we get a chance to talk to you again, thank you so much for joining us today. On behalf of Lisa Goitsch, Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.